0: Hey, welcome to Info Under the Radar, the show where we talk with an expert to simplify everyday ideas, concepts, and subjects that surround us.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Info Under the Radar. How is everyone doing? I'm your host Vishwajit. I'm Devendra. So today we are talking about the world of e-commerce and how Amazon has taken over all of our lives.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure. This is a homage to Amazon and capitalism because, of course, Andy <laughs> Jesse is taking over and we had to encash upon that capitalistic opportunity.
1: Yeah. And do you know, do you know that just after he's stepping down, Jeff Bezos is stepping down in January, uh, I think July. Mm-hmm. And then after two weeks, he's taking a flight to space. Oh, yes. Yes. I, maybe that's the reason he stepped down because they're not sure what's going to happen. So he's taking his uh, Blue Origin, I think is the name of his oh, space yeah, company. Yeah, so they're taking a flight. Oh. Big asterisk, it's only 11 minute space flight, but still,
0: yeah. I mean, <laughs> still, you don't know where it could be, how it could go. I don't want to sound skeptic <laughs> because skepticism here would mean something very bad. <laughs>
1: But I can't imagine, how do you even insure someone like Jeff Bezos? I'm pretty sure there is a German company who has insurance of Jeff Bezos himself. Or a Swiss company. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, all jokes aside, we are are talking about sort of e-commerce and the influence of it over our lives, how it has changed over the years, where it's heading, the hyper-personalization of it, and many more. And our guest today is Arnav Gupta, who kind of is somewhat popular, at least in the Indian tech uh, developer slash entrepreneur circle. So his background was that he uh, started as a programmer, became like teacher slash uh, entrepreneur and turned into a LinkedIn influencer, I should say by this point, but more into him uh, later. uh, But more importantly, he has years of experience working for some popular uh, e-commerce companies like Target and Zometo, which makes him very credible to talk about uh, this topic. So before we go into uh, Arnav's bio and why we thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed and learned so much in this discussion with him, I have a question for you, uh, Deb. So are you someone who is like, I should say, mindlessly going on e-commerce website, like 99% of us mm-hmm. and just go and buy whatever they want? Or are you sort of in this camp of cool kids who are pushing towards uh, buy only local, go to the nearest mom and pop shop and buy things from there.
0: I mean, I definitely window shop online. That is if that's the term familiar with people that I definitely go check out the reviews, check out the price, because as a student, I suffer from a disease called poverty. Uh, <laughs> yes. So uh, I plead allegiance to lack of money <laughs> at this point. So I do that. And after that, if like, for example, certain things, uh, I I would not want to order food products, fresh purchase something from, you know, regular supermarket or like regular online stores. Uh, And if sometimes possible, we have these weekend stores, where farmer's market and all they come. So sometimes I happen to find myself roaming around there, Mm -hmm. but nothing I don't think I can afford most of the things from local market because at least in munich they are very expensive
1: mm-hmm. that's the reason we are doing a podcast you mm-hmm. know so please listen to us so that we can take away this disease from them <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah you your listening is my vaccine guys <laughs>
1: oh, gosh. okay so uh, uh, well uh, joking aside yeah i can i can understand what you meant i mean i i have to say i'm more like a So my ideal side says that, hey Jeet, you have to go and buy from the nearby shop where there's this nice lady who is selling really fresh produce. And I know her by face, she also knows my face. But I still end up like going on Amazon just because it's so convenient. That
0: the exact same line could have been used in an episode where we were talking about online dating. Now, oh,
1: <laughs> gosh,
0: I know the lady; she knows me.
1: Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. But true, we did... <laughs> true. No, I don't know. There is a thing called Amazon dating. Uh, no. but but maybe Jeff no. will create now since he got divorced. <laughs> uh, okay, enough jokes about Jeff. But but you know what I was trying to say yeah. is that I end up always going to Amazon or some other uh, sites and there is no other explanation besides convenience mm-hmm. and in some ways laziness associated with it. Yeah. Um, so we dive yeah. into
0: this idea during our conversation with Arnav as well that it, our companies, fan companies are they're called uh, Facebook, Amazon, uh, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, are they too big to fail now? Is this even a concept? We also talk about Uh, other things including, but not limited to, like future of e-commerce, where is it heading? It's already pretty prevalent in our daily lives. Then you already mentioned in the initial part that we talk about hyper personalized e-commerce. We give an example and we dive into that idea as well and how it could sometimes feel a little bit cringy or creepy. And many other things like thinking from a design perspective, if you want to launch your own e-commerce or what are the verticals to consider in when you're thinking of e-commerce, not just limited to, you know, logistics and an online shop. Uh, so we talk about all of that with Arnab, and he happens to have a lot of experience in that. And it was just thoroughly enjoyable to just listen to him talk about how e-commerce and how he sees e-commerce. So... We, I think both of us would fail in some regard to introduce to you his credibilities. so I, he's gonna do it himself as well at some <laughs> point but just just to be uh, on the nicer side of courtesy uh, Vishujit, you happen to have known him for long. So what are what are the various hats does our guest wear?
1: Yeah, I think uh, so first of all I should mention I think he's almost same age as us so maybe I don't know 27 mm-hmm. or, or 26, 27 not sure. Apologies, Arnav, in advance uh, for guessing your uh, age on a live show. Uh, But but yeah, so I wanted to say that he's quite young, but he was uh, a programmer, but not just your regular software developer, but rather he was contributing quite a bit in the mobile ecosystem. So he was contributing to the core Android itself, Mm -hmm. which is... uh, not really easy uh, to to get accepted yeah. your uh, fixes there. And then he was working also on this version of Android called Signage And then from there on, he sort of started contributing to world of open source, where I got to know him. Uh, if you don't know about open source, it's basically, uh, there are very, very loosely speaking, two types of software. And it's like a closed software, which is like Soft, like your windows for example where the code is completely kept private by the company because mm-hmm. you know it's it's kind of proprietary in some ways or apple is notoriously famous for their proprietary software and then there are software which are wide available in public i'm i'm really simplifying it but good example of that could be a VLC media player, or if you have ever used Linux or Android itself. So Arna happened to be very active in those circles. I used to be active in those circles as well. And that's how I kind of got to know him. And from there on, he ended up being, um, uh, got into mentorship quite a bit, led him to creating his own company where they were teaching. And it became relatively big. Yeah, it's called Coding Blocks. And it became relatively big uh, where they taught, I think thousands of, uh, students doing engineering and stuff and preparing them for uh, their career in tech and then alongside he have been working with Zomato which was uh, I which I, I don't even know if I should call it a startup they, oh. they have thousands of employees and they have their multi-billion dollar by now mm-hmm. and they are a hyper local e-commerce site where, which focuses on uh, e uh, so like food delivery yeah. And they, they are not just in India, they're also in some European countries, some uh, in Middle East as well. So he was, I think, their uh, head of mobile uh, where he was focusing on their development of mobile ecosystem. And then recently he was working with Target, which many of you may know, especially if you are listening from US, uh, this giant supermarkets which US have, and he was working there. So you can see that he has had a lot of experience working in this world of e-commerce. And now he is—he uh, has recently started working for Scalar Academy, which is uh, a- another sort of tech startup. Uh, in his words, he—that's kind of his real deep-down love. And uh, and along that, I think now he is becoming more like a LinkedIn influencer or social media influencer, uh-huh. where he is making fun of a lot of people who are.
0: Uh, he's very edgy. <laughs> he is very
1: edgy, <laughs> and I think in a very in all positive sense possible so we really enjoyed it because i think we saw, we both tend to enjoy that i guess yeah. so yeah it was fun talking to him and without any further ado we should just uh, let him give his introduction yeah. i think he will do a better justice to it
0: and i know you are waiting to jump on the train of the conversation but before you go just as usual our request is please respond to us on our social media handles, which is add the rate info under the radar on Instagram and add the rate info under radar on Twitter. At YouTube, you can find us as, uh, by just typing info under the radar. And with that, we let the stage open to our conversation with Arna and hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we do.
1: So hi Arnav, how are you doing? First of all, thanks a lot for uh, taking your time to do this podcast with us. Uh, so before before we go into like the topics and you know all, all the things in the world of e I think maybe it could be interesting like how sort of I got to know you and why you are the person we, we are talking about this topic. So I remember I got to know you because you were quite active in open source world. Uh, back when you were in university, I was also in university, like during bachelor's. Right. And then I think I got into GSOC, you also got into GSOC with Forsetia, but then I got to know yes, you were yes. already doing quite a bit around that time, contributing to mm-hmm. mode, if I remember correctly, and some other Android specific things. And, and now looking at it, like from that journey, and now you're already, already you were a teacher and then sort of entrepreneur and now you have heading to another new role, which we were just talking about uh, at Scalar. Uh, so how did that sort of journey came about? Uh, maybe you can tell us briefly about that.
2: Uh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, so by the way, like when, you, when you say that, you know, while my university, I was active in open source, I think uh, I'd uh, add that I still am. I That's mm-hmm. uh, something that I really love to uh, keep contributing to because I have felt uh, that... Uh, to learn that has been one of the great avenues for me to learn to uh, contribute to projects. Like, like in the very early days, I uh, found out about this thing, Arduino, which is like this electronics board. And, and uh, then, you know, I, I was actually pursuing electronics and electrical engineering in, in uh, college. And uh, while trying to work on uh, some electronics projects, I started realizing that I like the software aspect more and I started contributing features to the ID, right? which was like, sort of going into the tangent and not actually uh, like, like my friends who were in my department, they were building these line follower bots or, or uh, some bots which could detect objects and go around them and all that stuff. And then uh, me, I was more interested in, uh, okay, like if we flash a firmware, we can't keep a backup of the existing firmware. How can we add that feature into the ID or something like that? And that's how it that, But uh, then uh, I got the chance to sort of uh, work with a lot of, people who uh, were you know like like stalwarts like giants in the in- industry like Massimo who was uh who is still very famous in the uh, electronics industry as like an open hardware uh, proponent and all and then uh, you know Foss Asia where i think uh, uh, you had also uh, been a contributor to that so uh, somebody like uh, Mario who had created Lubuntu uh, so so working with uh, those people and then uh, i had uh, done some contributions to VLC the android project itself and they're working with engineers from Google is there's a lot of mentoring that I got which I felt uh, there wasn't any other uh, place to do that also uh you know because where else would you sort of uh, you know somebody who uh, is contributing code to the linux kernel or to the camera drivers of a smartphone and uh, they are sort of looking at your code reviewing it uh, sometimes uh, once you sort of contribute a bit and you build a repo they can even uh you know talk to you about informal stuff as well like what you can do in your career how you can grow and all so those things i felt like you know really really uh, uh impactful uh, in and how i uh, grew and as a result uh, like now uh, when i contribute to open source i still get that benefit of you know learning from others Uh, while I think that I try to pass on that benefit to other new people joining into the community as well where I can now because of my few years of experience I can uh, sort of help them out in in, uh, ways as well Uh, so uh, from that obviously uh, you know uh, coding blocks uh, started which was uh, like a venture that me and my friend started off we thought that uh, undergrad uh, students in India they are not sort of Always ready to pick up the challenges of the tech world. The startups requiring people to build very big projects, Uh, and we thought that you know we can set up a boot camp where people can come in, build websites, apps, some you know data science models, and all. There would be a nice place to learn, and that sort of blew up over over three four years. It it, you know we were able to set up five six physical spaces, three in Delhi, two outside Delhi as well. So online also we grew like a lot of people started joining the community purely online as well. Initially our idea was like, we'll sit in a room and we'll just build things together and all. Right. Then, then it started growing online. Uh, and then after doing that for a few years, then I, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know I felt that there was a little bit of, uh, you know, sort of gap in my own learning as well. Like I could uh, maybe spend some time uh I had never worked on a project which say is used by uh, you know millions of people and maybe you know there is some uh, everyday there is billions of dollars of transaction happening something of that scale I had not worked on and I started realizing after mentoring people for a few years that some people also want that learning as well. Right, and I realized like you know just just from my very in immediate uh, sort of environment that if I can, you know, have that experience, I think that's also something that I can help in, you know, teaching people. Uh, So uh, a lot from that perspective, I uh, took up an opportunity at Zomato. Zomato uh, is uh, India's uh, largest, basically uh, food uh, delivery as well as discovery app. And uh, Zomato, uh, I really love, like it's one of those Indian startups which had grown beyond India. A lot of companies in India still having the tech, startup space in India is still young nascent, and a lot of companies because huge uh, population we have you know 1.5 billion people so uh, you can grow to a lot of size just staying in India yeah. uh, but given that Zomato has still grown beyond to UK, Australia, Turkey, a lot of these countries so mm-hmm. I felt like okay that, that's a great place to go and work at like, like seeing how People building technology in India and exporting it outside as a product, mm-hmm. uh, right? So uh, that was a great experience. I spent a year and I learned a lot. I think I learned about how technology works at scale, of course. And I also learned about uh, you know the the. Uh, sort of gig economy, how it's working, the uh, e-com industry, how it's working, how does this delivery model reshaping the entire food industry, Uh, seeing it inside out, obviously, I I mean, I've been a user of Zomato for a long time, but then when you see it from inside, gives you a lot of insight of how exactly the industry is transforming you. You can see better into the future as well because you see the roadmap of the organization and all. Uh, then I spent a year at Target. So Target is obviously, I mean, some of your audience would uh, know it's a big retail chain in USA, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like Walmart and Costco and all. So uh, there, uh, there, I think I had another uh, sort of phase of learning, I would say, where I realized that how does a company which has sort of 150,000 employees, which, which <laughs> 150,000 is a huge number, right? How does a company, you know, 150,000, 200,000 employees, how does that company work? How does like a tech team itself, which has almost, I think, eight 9,000 people, uh, you know, how does that work? coming from, I think, Zomato, we are a tech team with 300 people. And like, I, that, that's pretty big, actually. 300 people tech team is a significantly right. big company, but you're having like 8,000 people in a tech team, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how how that organizational scale works, and how does like a $200 billion size company operate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think tech wise, like exactly the code that I'm writing, and, you know, even the design of the system, those things did not change a lot, I think mm-hmm. coming from as a matter, to target, because the scale of the number of users and all might be quite, quite comparable, target was a little larger still. Uh, but uh, I think how organizational scale works, uh, you know, uh, and how does this, you know, sort of trillion dollar uh, e-com industry, especially the America-based one, how that works. That has been like a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been my journey. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I'm just getting back into edtech again, because that's where my uh, sort of first love lies, mentoring <laughs> people, helping them become better engineers.
1: <laughs> right. I think especially like the last, uh, last few experiences you had, clearly dictates why we are talking to you. Because, I mean, of course, as you said, you really enjoy mentoring and ed tech, uh, but you have also spent a lot of time working in e-commerce industry, um, both in sort of, I mean, there are different types of e-commerce applications, right? I mean, you have spent like in sort of this hyper-local food or grocery sort of delivery, like Zomato is kind of that. Uh, And then you have also spent some time in Target, which I guess is more closer to maybe like Amazon or Flipkart of sort. Maybe you can correct okay. me if I'm wrong. Right. So yes, yes, it is. So so maybe maybe we can just just start. Can you tell us like the difference between uh, like a basic question, like a difference between various type of e-commerce sort of applications which you observe exist, and how do they differ uh, from each other? Uh, maybe at a technical level, if you want, but more importantly at a at a user level at a product level
2: right 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 uh actually uh like the technical differences sort of stem from the product differences like like how you're positioning the product from from there it sort of uh comes to uh the implementation can be different uh, in different places like uh some people like amazon build it like a platform and then some people did like a you know, bespoke product and all uh talking about like i think differences. Uh, by the way, I, I must add that like, like the pandemic and people staying at home and delivering from home only has, of course, had a lot of impact. Like It has uh, brought, I think, a lot of diverse industries also a little bit similar and closer together because the mode of getting uh, things at home uh, especially like like uh, somewhere like India where I think the lockdown, I think the first portion as well was very stringent and the second as well has been very stringent because I think we had a very big spike for the second wave uh, and then it's been for a longer period of time because, you know, bigger population so getting to vaccinate, everybody will take more time. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, the behavior sort of I have seen is super, super, super delivery focused right now and that's across all the players today. Uh, while uh, say I think Zomato, for example, when I uh, worked at before the pandemic, uh, there was a lot of focus from a product perspective, of how, how we are building, and also from how the users were perceiving it into dining out model as well, like discovering restaurants, like the uh, you know mm-hmm. sort of uh, people's, people people can sort of explore a little beyond just just near their home, they can sort of think of 10 kilometers away as well when they're looking at a great place to go and spend some time with because they would be taking out a few hours with their family out and going and discovering. And it's like, okay, this is one of the best places in Delhi to go, so why can't I go and discover that thing? Uh, when ordering, all that stuff changes. It's, it's very uh, you know, hyper-local and it's cloud kitchen driven where like the presentation of the digital product matters more like like your photos of your dishes, uh, and and you know maybe even videos of your dishes these days you know apps are adding uh, how they are prepared. Those things start to matter more than you know how the ambience of the restaurant is like. What's the locality? So even if your restaurant is uh, you know uh, really nice interiors, but it's in a locality it's not so great, so you know, those things also can affect. Now those things sort of go out of the picture now because it's super super delivery focused. I mean dining out, I think in India has. Uh, been sort of uh, I think 2020 November to February of 2020 when the small period where it was still open but now it's again closed. Restaurants are and then last year also it was closed. Running also it's been very, very very, focused. But broader question I would say that uh, you know uh, the differences is that you know one is uh, the sort of e which is uh, the, the hyper local one where uh, you're buying products which already have arrived your locality, right? Uh, so you're buying from a shop which is nearby. So the, the sort of idea there is you go to a shop nearby and then you are sort of trying to find out what they have and you have like a generic product in mind, like you, you want, say, table wipes. Now... You don't have a brand in mind, but you okay? Table wipes. What can I get? And you know uh, that answer could be different if you're sitting in Delhi. It could be different if you're sitting in Mumbai, because maybe different brands are distributing in Delhi and Mumbai. So you know uh, that that's uh, one sort of thing. What I think has sort of completely appended that game today, and then has been accelerated by the pandemic is the D two C uh, way of e-commerce, the direct to consumer way, where uh, you know uh, you as the brand try to reach the consumer directly. Uh, to, to sort of get the message across. And a lot of great brands, as you can see these days, they sort of set up Instagram pages or Twitter accounts with funny tweets and all. And where the idea is that they connect to the consumer directly. Mm-hmm. And how will the item reach the consumer is sort of a secondary concern. So sort of get the person to like your brand a lot. Like somebody is like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be using A-table wipe. I'm going to be using scotch Bright only. Like, like get that connect there once that's there then how does a you know brick of scotch bread reach your home that sort of becomes a secondary problem to solve so you can use any shipping service and then there are a lot of platforms which help d2c so there there is shopify which helps you set up a landing page easily there is you know a lot of uh, shipping services like dhl fedex etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera, like india specific blue dot uh, and all which uh, now have very d2c specific Uh, ways of shipping like earlier it was very personal like you want to send a package to your friend it was oriented like that these days most of these you know uh, shipping services they are very oriented like how uh, small businesses can send across packages across India Uh, so their dashboards look more like Amazon uh, seller (laughs) dashboards rather than you know personal shipping dashboards these days Uh, so that's there and uh, then there is the other model which is uh, where you tap into an existing marketplace which is like you know Uh, like how brands used to work long back offline, the similar model that online exists because of uh, places like Amazon, Flipkart, et cetera, is that you don't try to get to the consumers directly. You are sort of like at a layer supplier itself. So you build a lot of products and then you put it up on a marketplace where people are buying a lot of stuff. So uh, back in the, you know, like 20 years, 30 years back, uh, there used to be a lot of these manufacturers who did not, market a lot who did not try to connect with the consumers a lot they used to produce in bulk good quality stuff and used to go and sell to supermarkets that's it now how people will discover things at a supermarket and how they will buy that that's all the supermarkets business to do so now it's sort of getting to that place where you know you you tap into a marketplace like amazon where people are already coming so amazon is like one big giant mall where everybody is coming uh, right uh so you just sort of put your things on amazon and just hope that uh somebody uh would discover it and they would buy it based on how well you know your digital world seo it's called <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> your title and description and all of those yeah. things if they're uh, well written all of that stuff price mm-hmm. matches well uh, right so that's the other way of doing it so i think i mean uh uh, this is, I think, roughly that sort of segregates the basic ways of you do e-commerce, like hyper-local D two C, or you sort of sell to something like Amazon. Uh, and then there is, I, I don't think that this is sort of big market, but it's sort of you know very individual, like the creator economy, influencer economy it's growing. Is something called drop shipping is also growing, which is uh, people sort of uh, if you have your own uh, audience, uh, then then sometimes you can. Uh, Name drop a certain product that, you know, if you want to buy this sort of hoodie or this sort of, shoe, you know, order in and then place your pre-orders and then in, in drop shipping, what happens is like, because you're generated like as an individual, as a, you know, as, as a content creator or something like that, you have generated a lot of audience. You mm-hmm. can get maybe hundred people to pay you upfront for the product, which you don't have. So mm-hmm. you collect their money first, then you buy that product for a little cheaper value and then you ship to them. Uh, so the the you know, turnaround time is much larger. But then you have a certain very sticky audience who wants to buy the product from you because they've only discovered it from you and the product is probably not very easily available on something like Amazon. So they're like paying $100 to you and they're waiting for a month for the product to appear. That's fine. You will buy it and then ship it to them or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's sort of also uh, happening these days.
1: Do you think it's also similar to what like Instagram is trying to do? So now Instagram also have a shopping page. I'm sure you have seen that, which is... Which is, to be honest, to me, it's almost super creepy because it's so personal. <laughs> it's so personalized. It's next level personalization. I mean, yeah. so uh, talking about like <laughs> harvesting data of users. I mean, if I go to <laughs> if I go to the shopping page of my Instagram, and I was showing you mm. the other day, it's like I am really into mountains. So a lot of hiking gear. I I yeah. interact with Formula One stuff, and then a lot of athletes are selling there. You know uh yeah gears or whatever uh their merchandise and it's so funny that the more interaction i do with these pages the more i see that on the shopping shopping page so do you think is this like sort of where e-commerce you are seeing heading uh
2: i think uh the personalization of e-commerce for uh certain goods uh obviously is going to be increasing like you know where branding is possible now, uh, where branding is possible, I mean, it's like apparel, obviously, uh, but also sort of sports gear, utility gear, uh, these kind of things. Uh, there, uh, the I have been at least noticing the erosion of uh, the brand of the manufacturer and an emergence of the uh, brand of influencers, uh, so to say. Uh, and then I think a good way to look at, look at it is, say, uh, how something like a, I think, OnePlus phone of a McLaren edition kind of works, right? So so McLaren has nothing to do with making phones. And, like, if McLaren actually wanted to build a phone themselves, they would probably make a very bad phone. Because they had it racing and cars and they're not making phones. Right. Uh, but, but having a like a McLaren edition phone, which actually is costlier than a normal OnePlus edition, is then like selling more. I don't know, Star Wars branded phone uh, kind of things. Uh, but then that's still like sort of duopoly, I would say, where you know that it's uh, something like these laptops, which come with an Intel inside kind of a branding, where, okay, it's OnePlus inside. So OnePlus is powering the internals of the phone, but it's branded like Star Wars or something like that. But then there is also another level that's happening, which is, I think, uh, how these, you know, Supreme uh, uh, sneakers or something like that, which is like some, you know, DJ Khaled edition comes out and then uh, people yes. are probably not buying it because it's Supreme, but it's because DJ Khaled has that uh, particular uh, sneaker or something like that. Uh, and then and then you see uh, these uh, celebrities have their own lines of, you know, I think at least perfume and beauty product had existed for a while, mm-hmm. but now you see other things as well. Like, you know, some somebody like, you know, uh, air decades, jordan is the really, best
0: example it's been there yeah, since decades air
2: jordan air jordan has been there for, for, for a long long time uh, and then i think uh, with air jordan kind of examples it's, it's still at a place where it's like that duopoly is still there where you have like that nike power kind of a thing that okay uh, if it's quality because nike is making it but it's branded as air jordan so that's what i identify with but these days i'm seeing uh you know sort of uh more collaborations where uh you know the the name of who is actually powering the real hardware is is even omitted like it's there in the fine print but it's not there in the upfront branding as well uh, right uh, so the, the sort of manufacturer i mean if you go for a deeply detailed uh, review of that product mm-hmm. somebody will tell that okay this was manufactured in uh, you know, collaboration with and something something like that. I think even Google started it off originally when they did not have a tech division themselves. So, their original few Nexus and uh, Pixel phones were made by HTC and Samsung and all. And Google was really just putting on their sticker there, they, they were not making their phone at all. Yeah, but they were selling it as a Google phone, they were not mm-hmm. selling it as you know, uh, like a I think the last phone, which was like a Galaxy Nexus, which was like made by Samsung, branded by Google. But then after that, they made a lot of phones which were made by. Motorola and uh, LG, uh, LG as well right and and those were only if you go to a deeper tech review you get to know that it's actually manufactured by LG uh, right but the box does not say LG the box is Google right? right and then that's happening so Google is like a huge brand it's one of the mm. top 5 brands in the, uh, the world but uh, today it's happening at a very individual level as well like you know creators with 1 million following uh, they are bringing out their own lines of you know sort of shoes or hoodies or stuff like that i think i mean uh, in india it's very popular to see hrx gear which is made by Hrithik so Hrithik mm-hmm. is a popular actor and a lot of the hrx gear is actually manufactured by reebok adidas etc uh, but it's it's not mentioned at all on the website you will see it's like uh, branded as hrx sold as hrx and people mm-hmm. identify to it as hrx uh, so that is happening and that's starting to sort of leak into some like like this kitchen gear as well crockery cutlery uh being branded by gordon Ramsay instead of uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh so some you know crockery cutlery manufacturing yeah. uh, uh so that's happening i think and and as that happens i think uh the e-com industry will also shift more towards you know uh, like the concept of distribution has changed but i feel like earlier uh distribution like for the last 100 years everybody says that distribution is important to do commerce not e-commerce just commerce and say if you don't have distribution then there is no value of doing a commerce business, right? It's just, I mean, you can do a mom and pop store and sell to kids in your locality, but that does not scale. Like you want to be a big name, you want to be a trillion dollar company, you need distribution. Now, distribution earlier used to mean the logistic distribution, right? Getting the stuff out in the hands, how well are you able to do? Today, that has sort of changed. Today, distribution means actually the brand distribution. The marketing distribution is what people say. So when somebody says like, you know, do you have distribution? People mean like, do you have followers on YouTube or not? Do you have followers on Instagram or not? So that's the distribution. Because once people connect with you and once people trust you and once people think that, you know, this is the product I want, then the logistic distribution can take care of itself. There is so many channels to do that. Mm -hmm. And today you can ship items from, you know, I, I, these days, uh, you know, find a lot of tech products I need to buy and don't get them in India. I get it shipped from USA. Takes me a week, max. I I mean, just, you know... uh, I'm paying a little extra for customs, maybe 20, 30 percent for the customs. That's fine. I'm able to afford that these days. But you know, I want a particular keyboard. I want a particular mouse. It does not sell in India. I can ship it from US. Logistics is sort of solved. It, it's not a problem anymore. But then the distribution is like you know, I bought a Logitech keyboard. So like, Logitech has distribution in that sense. Like people know Logitech rather than can Logitech uh, get its keyboard to everybody in the world. That's immaterial. Can Logitech get its message across to everybody in the world? That's more important today.
0: Mm-hmm. So now that you like you, you covered a lot of these facets of uh, e-commerce that is working today, uh, yeah. and we are now seeing it in its very mature form, wasn't always like that. So in today's day and age, if let's say you had to design something of an e-commerce in your head, what are the verticals that you would consider as a part of your design process? Uh,
2: that's interesting. Uh, I think uh, uh, today if I have to sort of start off with e-commerce, it's very important that two things are super important, I feel, is niche and distribution. So uh, everything grows from niches and like Amazon grew from books, uh, right? And uh, Flipkart tried to sort of emulate that same model in India. They said that we are an online store that sells books because the founders worked at Amazon. They, they got out and they said, we will make a clone of Amazon in India and we'll succeed. But in reality, Flipkart did not become this big because of books. They became this big because of mobile phones. Yeah. Mm. Because the time when Flipkart was growing in India, like I mean, Amazon was growing in USA in you know to ninety nine two thousand, and that time I think uh, the the way you discover books and buy books sort of uh, you know was ripe for disruption. That you know you go to a small bookstore, you try to find a book, but that book does not exist there. You go to a Barnes and Noble, and then, you know uh, that you know, the nearest Barnes and Noble could be at some plaza or somewhere downtown. You know to go there and you know, sometimes a book comes out, you read about it on the newspaper, but how do you find that out, you know, sort of making that digital Amazon figure that it's a great way to start off their business. And that worked very well. Now, when Flipkart Carter did that in India, first of all, the in India, uh, their book audience obviously doesn't is not that great. Uh, the problem is not so much like, you know, people in India actually discover books, not from the media, at least back then, but they actually discovered from the bookstores itself. So, uh, and then people had a sort of deep-rooted emotional connection with their local bookstores. So people were not ready to do book shopping online like they do today. Uh, And without something like Kindle, et cetera, in their bag, I mean, there were a bunch of factors because of which uh, sort of just copying a 2000 model uh, that Amazon had successful and trying to do that in 2010 in India uh, would not have worked well. So... But instead did work for Flipkart. And after books, the second uh, more thing that they got into was mobile phones. And that worked very well because in India, that model was ready to be disrupted because you see a mobile phone launch on TV, but that mobile phone does not come to your local store that fast. And then supply chain problems are there and all of those issues are there. Also, you can't easily compare mobile phones like at your local shopkeeper would try to get his stocks clear. So whatever mobile phones he has, more he will try to sell you those rather than the better ones. Yeah. But right. on a digital store, you can, you know, tick mark like compare 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 and then you see a table like you know uh, mm-hmm. uh with processor you can compare benchmark you can do and all those things so it's, it's much easier to buy tech products online these days right um
1: i think it's important yeah. to mention that when arnav says mobile phone we are talking smartphones because mm. i think it was also important that it has to be smartphones in my opinion because the the amount of features in smartphones were quite yes. huge right because in a yeah.
2: It was the time when the smartphones were coming into the market at that time. Exactly. Uh,
1: exactly. So because normal Nokia 3300 or whatever, like there were not so many (laughs) features to compare for. So, right. So I think that's where also, I guess, something like online comparison become very easy.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, actually, you're completely correct, actually, to say that, you know, uh, they sort of tapped into the change in the market in feature to smartphone happening. And then Flipkart grew on top of that a lot. I think for the first five, six years, I think the 90% of the revenue was smartphones, right? Uh, so similarly, like today, if you have to start, you can't copy how any other e-com industry start. You have to think today, what is the niche that can be disrupted online, which uh, sort of, you know, not sort like 2015 uh, food was that market and swiggy is a matter delivery hero uber eats everybody came up with those things because you know they figured that okay there's a way to do it online there's a way to do it better uh, so you know what is it today uh, that that can sort of change that market and a lot of times people have tried unsuccessfully successfully as well like i think uh, over the over the western hemisphere, I think Europe, USA, something like IKEA works really good. India does not actually. In India, people have tried also, there is uh, Urban Ladder and Pepper Fry. There are a few big, uh, you know, startups, I would say, who are into interior decor stuff. Mm -hmm. It does not, like, like, if you look at the total market of interior decor and furniture, they have not even penetrated 1% of that because that market still remains offline because the user cycle So there would be a turning point that comes when people think of that online more, maybe not this generation, the next generation. Uh, so the generation that's uh, buying interior decor stuff today is still like somebody people in the 30s because once they've bought their home, settled down with their families, that's when they're buying that stuff. And they're not so digital first generation, the 20s are. So when these people 10 years later get there, maybe they might be a good market to sort of capture. So, so you know, understanding that user psyche and getting that niche is very important. And the second part is about a distribution, which I uh, just uh, said is like today, the distribution is about how you can garner an online audience uh, really, really fast and build a moat around that uh, before others can do. Um, so these two things are very important. Uh, so these are important for the traction for the initial first year. Second year onwards, what starts becoming important is operational excellency. And that is sort of like powered by tech, but it is not like a tech thing inherently. It's it's about, you know, you know, your uh, sort of dominoes have sort of set up the market in India that, you know, food can be delivered in 30 minutes from ordering. So Mm -hmm. now, even though they're making pizza, even if you want to order something like biryani, people are expecting that same operational excellency. So if you can't, so in 2017, 18, when I used to talk to people in food tech, uh, I used to hear from them that, you know, the bar to beat is Domino's. Like, unless we can do, you know, order to hitting that phase, we can sort of implement as well as Domino's does. No point being in the market. And like everybody was aiming Domino's, Domino's, Domino's. Swiggy, Domato, they were much small players. But Domino's was doing 20,000 orders every day. And Swiggy and Domato, they were doing much less. Today, they're doing 1 million orders a day. And, and Domino's has grown from 20,000 to 100,000. Domino's has not been able to grow where these people have grown. And, and actually, Domino's does a lot of the orders via Zomato and Swiggy today. <laughs> uh, uh, so Domino's has become more of a vendor than uh, end-to-end vertical player today. Uh, because these people, once they figured out how do I do the logistics part as well as Domino's does, Then why just Domino's? Everybody. Uh, Let me put everybody onto that marketplace. But that operational excellency was important to sustain. Like, you know, your distribution and your niche gets people onto your platform to buy something first time. Your operational excellency makes people keep on buying from you. So, you know, your first year when you're growing your audience, when when you're trying to get somebody onto your platform to make their first purchase, that's when finding a good niche that's going to be expanding is very important and cracking the distribution is important. Mm-hmm. Then when you're trying to make people keep on ordering, keep on ordering, they will do that only when compared to every other alternative, you know, like going to the vendors site directly and purchasing from there or going to a competitor site and buying from there or physically going to a shop and buying from there. All these options are significantly worse than your option. Then only people will keep on repeating uh, and coming uh, to your place and buying. So I think that's sort of the, I would say, pick a niche, crack distribution for a year, keep on cracking it obviously, and then for the second year,
1: crack the operational excellency well. Everything else will be sorted. Seems very simple mm-hmm. to make a billion dollar company. All right, let's, <laughs>
0: let's get started with, when are you free Arnav this afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> no but it's there's one common theme that i observed in all the examples that you quoted and some that i happen to know that you you mentioned as well that you start with a niche maybe it could be product niche or service niche either of those could work but then at the end you're all of these companies in one way are uh, converging towards the concept of becoming an aggregator service
2: right
0: So do you think if you have to open or you have to suggest someone who's opening an e-commerce, that is something they should keep in the back of their head?
2: Uh, So I think uh, uh, platformization. So actually the growth happens in three uh, phases, I think. One is uh, when you do, you know, uh, crack the niche and you do the distribution, you get people to repeat. That's that's sort of the first phase. The next phase comes where you do a horizontal expansion. So Horizontal expansion is where you know you try to add more niches, and then you have to do that very fast. iterate you add another product category, see if it works. Does not work, chuck it. Go to the next one. Right. And when I say that, so today if you look at Amazon, they do a lot of things, mm-hmm. but you know, from a top-down perspective, say like a country head like Amitabh in India, he would be looking at maybe five verticals only. He would not be looking at the others. So you'd be thinking that okay, mobile phones, big vertical. Garments, big vertical, something like that. Okay. Now uh, the thing is that when I'm talking about you know trying out different niches, so when you as soon as you expand from one niche to many niches, then you open up your platform and anybody can sell anything there. But you as the platform need to have focus on at least four or five major verticals, which are gonna be driving your top line up really big. Because if you take probably the top five categories on Amazon, they would most likely make up more than ninety nine percent of their revenue. And everything else would probably be doing less than 1%. Right. So that's how the market distribution uh, works there. I mean, this used to happen in this food as well. Like I think pizza and biryani used to make up 90% of all orders. Everything else is just less than 10%. So right. Everybody's yeah. just ordering either pizza or biryani. That's it. And then, you know, you might think like somebody who has a lot of great taste in food, you might think that, oh, I order new, new things every day. Uh, I'm sure everybody does. I mean, it's not how it works. Like if you look, and even if you look at your own orders, Right, mm-hmm. you might be trying out a lot of things, but over the year, if you have done hundred orders, you will see fifty of them might have been pizza biryani. Rest mm-hmm. fifty might have been you trying out other other things. Right, so uh, that same thing is very important here in e-commerce. When you expand your niche, then again you have to pick up five, six big verticals and then mm-hmm. sort of grow there. That's your horizontal expansion uh, strategy, and you don't stop other verticals from growing small verticals let them be it's a platform anybody can come and sell anything that they want to okay i like, need okay, uh, i
0: feel the need to clarify it at this point We are not instigating anyone to think that the niche is mixing pizza and biryani at this point that that, that
1: is not what we are instigating i, I doubt mean, that is ever gonna work so please don't do it you never know you never know i mean pineapple on pizza worked <laughs>
2: I mean there is biryani flavor pizza by the way
1: yeah i heard. Uh, it exists this,
2: yeah yeah it, is, it, is, it exists i mean i mean, I mean it's going to be like I mean, probably probably do an r rated for this segment of the podcast but it does exist <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: by the way if you're listening and you think what the what the hell is biryani then mm-hmm. sorry it's your loss like you are really missing out on life Go Google biryani and try it when you can. I don't don't think that would be a problem, actually. Uh, I mean, uh, from data from Zomato, I can tell people in Europe, a lot of them search for biryani, by the way. Indian food is
2: actually very popular
1: everywhere. Yeah, (laughs) but I can tell you living in Munich, man, biryani, like a lot of restaurants serve biryani. None of them. And I mean it, none of them. Served even decent biryani, so they you can find decent sole bature, you can find decent street food. Now there is like some good restaurant which even serve good street food, but they right. they sh- shit when it comes to biryani. Sorry, I have to say it. So, yes, maybe, maybe I mean, you get biryani,
2: around. but not
1: not biryani biryani, it's just,
2: just <laughs> okay, biryani in man. name,
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it felt very emotional, you know, yeah. because I've spent so much money trying to find good biryani, but. <laughs> Still unsuccessful. My hunt is still going on. Anyways,
0: <laughs> you found okay. a niche. So, so, maybe actually,
1: yeah, maybe I yeah, found a niche. Maybe I should start a yeah, 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 biryani it, it, business. It, 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 I think. I yeah, think. Yeah, biryani
2: business can definitely work well. I am pretty sure. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, uh, then that you know, once that horizontal expansion works, I think the third stage that comes, which I have always seen with platforms once they get to a certain scale, is that the vertical expansion, and uh, I think compared to somewhere like Target where I worked, actually the vertical expansion stage existed first and then they came to digital, which is like they're a hundred year old company doing commerce for a long, long time. But people who grow digital first, uh, I think maybe your question is also targeted towards that, like somebody who starts up an e-com business Mm -hmm. today. So you're, uh, you know, once you figure out two, three big verticals, then you have to do vertical expansion. Vertical expansion is basically owning up the vertical so that you can maximize your profits. You can not maximize your profits if, if, somebody is making the product somebody is delivering it to the warehouse somebody is taking it from the warehouse to the user and somebody else is making the website if all of that is different then you can't maximize your profits because everybody else everybody has to take out their profits out of it so that's where uh, like uh, companies like Amazon uh, do that, you know, uh, uh, what's that? Amazon Basics, which is like they create their own brand and and and, and right. sort of start owning the entire uh, life cycle of the yeah. uh, process. Or, right? or maybe but,
1: in normal English, we should say start start killing mom and pop shops, basically. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. So that's, that's that's exactly what happens. Like like when you figure out uh, the <laughs> operational efficiency and everything, then you sort of go out and okay how can I squeeze out these small businesses out uh, the, the, the profit just from small yeah. out of it? So that's what happens when you are at that level like, again. So this is when I'm talking, you know, you are 1 billion plus level size business you have become, you're 10 billion, 20 billion size of business you have become like Instacart, who's doing groceries in USA, their delivery hero, I think at your place, one of the uh, biggest uh, players, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, so that scale, then you start thinking, okay, uh, why do I... Uh, get food from a restaurant and deliver why not i set up cloud kitchen and you know ask like, like sort of buy out that restaurant and ask that chef to prepare in my cloud kitchen right yeah. why does that establishment as a brand need to exist when it can just be a logo on my app and i own the entire stack so mm-hmm. that's where the conglomerization starts happening uh, where, where you know you you stop becoming like uh, just a you know uh, e-com player then you become like an everything player, like like Amazon is like, you know, mm-hmm. where I, I will manufacture it, I will deliver it, I will, if it's a hardware, I will also provide the service that
1: runs on it. So I will sort of own you as a consumer, I will own you as the manufacturer. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I guess that maybe that brings me to my next question. So I think I'm not sure if it's true everywhere, but certainly in Germany, where people are more privacy conscious, uh, due to many reasons, due to history uh, of the country itself, and due to in general, I think with GDPR, there has been a lot of push as well. I mean, GDPR did came about because people do care inherently more about privacy, in my experience, much more than somewhere like US or India. So now when you say like brands are sort of owning us, right? And, and This is, uh, but you are not not exaggerating. That is true. I mean, like if I want to buy something, even though I can find it downstairs, but it's so easy for me to go on my mobile and just order it on Amazon, right? Even though I know some ill effects of it. But what do you think are some legitimate concerns which users have beat with privacy or some other things that they are becoming too big? be it environmental issues now people also started talking about how many of these concerns you think are legitimate and can kind of challenge these big brands or do you think they have become so big that they too big to fail yeah too big to fail i mean bezos owns us and then that's it <laughs> end of the day Right, right, right. Uh, i think this is the part where i think I- i'll be saying things which will make me
2: ineligible for future jobs in the e comm industry but <laughs> please uh... <laughs> Uh, but when i think that uh there are a like couple of things i think i'll start off by saying that the too big to fail uh statement is true at like a local maxima level but not at a global maxima level i think i mean it's, a, mm-hmm. it's uh, something that's true over a period of two years five years it's never true over a period of 50 years it does not happen that way right i mean uh say something like xerox ibm were considered like companies were too big to fail they have not failed like ibm still exists but it's, it's nowhere compared to what Apple or Google is today, right? So Fair people can come and append companies in that level itself, right? I mean, I mean, say uh, in uh, like, like when I visited uh, you know Amsterdam and I looked around, I think like Booking.com is like a major force in terms of yeah. the tourism industry there, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but today, like Airbnb is also making significant inroads into that. Like like they're changing the status quo a lot. Uh, compared to what like I mean booking.com is one of the sort of fan kind of companies based out of uh, you know Europe uh, mm-hmm. but they, they are challenged and then it does not mean like today I'm uh, Airbnb is coming and doing it and tomorrow if Airbnb becomes the big player then a few years later somebody else can also come and do it uh, to them right uh, so that keeps happening and, and, and you know a uh, lot of times you write off companies which you thought they're too big to fail then they shrink and then they sort of re there's a resurgence as well. Like I think 2014-15, uh, people would have said like Am- Microsoft is going down. Like five years later, mm-hmm. 2020, Am- Microsoft will not exist. Like Apple right. Google, they are like the only two top tech players and uh, slowly, slowly Windows will phase out and it will all be Mac and Chromebook and all like people used to say that a lot. But I mean, Microsoft has not just come back into their own domain, but they are sort of know like like the entire web development world they have sort of you know spread across creating (laughs) ids creating new programming languages who would have thought that right but they have done it and 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 they are be uh, sort of competing well in, in in terms of operating systems with google and they're competing well in terms of making hardware with apple today as well so that keeps happening so i think uh that would be a little bit pessimistic to think that you know bezos owns us all today and then tomorrow nothing new will happen uh just, just to ahead. add on
1: microsoft i think that the most important vertical and that's where they're focusing most on is cloud uh, and yeah. that's where they have become like really big and actually i was really just sorry biggest the biggest and and one of the reason is i got to know it's because like uh, they are very windows kind of mindset mm-hmm. where a lot of businesses still work with Windows, right? Mm-hmm. doesn't matter Correct. where it is uh, or be it in educational mm-hmm. sector, be it if you if I go to supermarket to eka or something, they're yeah. all operating or go to McDonald's, it all or regular
0: build, buses as well.
1: Yeah, they are all built on yeah. top of Windows. and now I get to know that that's what they are doing, especially in finance sector mm-hmm. because uh, especially here as we were talking about privacy people are so privacy concerned, they don't trust, Amazon and Google when it comes to cloud stuff, because their servers were not necessarily in in Europe properly before, and at least they were not able to market it that way. And then Microsoft really took that niche and now they have become, as you said, maybe biggest or at least one of the (coughs) biggest. So They outsource
0: their reincarnation to another Indian, you mean? (laughs) yeah
1: <laughs> that is true that is true that was a joke by the way because satya Nadella is the he's it's, the indian jeff bezos he looks a bit like that now okay no. <laughs> no, seems like a nice guy jeff bezos yeah. more looks like a, a evil born evil villain like yeah <laughs> no, no. We,
0: we would invite both of you guys if you are listening of course but like just saying.
1: <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry Anna, we, we took you off the off the rail. sorry please go ahead no 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 i think i think that
2: was a, a, there was a quite quite a humorous and very very funny conversation and, and and i think that you know uh, it, it's just a cycle and it keeps happening of course and i think uh, uh, today that jeff bezos uh, i think today is the day right i think uh, monday uh, i think andy jassy is taking over from from this monday itself right yeah. so it's just properly COVID, it would right? be towards <laughs>
0: september october Properly, the step down of Jeff Bezos would be towards September or October, but I think now the transition would start.
2: Now the transition would start, right, right, right. So, so if you look at, like, I think uh, when, when uh, sort of uh, Bill Gates handed over to Steve Ballmer, Microsoft mm-hmm. had a downturn as well at that time. Mm-hmm. Then Satya Nilda took up and, and there was an upturn as well. Uh, and Steve Ballmer, like, he was then 14 years and he had 14 years and the company was declining all, the, all those times. And like if you look at something like Tim Cook kind of a transition where uh, Apple, people don't think they are so innovative as they were under Steve Jobs, but business, they're killing it, right? <laughs> uh, like something like AirPods itself, like people are saying that AirPods is like a $200 billion business, just AirPods is bigger than a lot of other companies, right? And, it, and it's just something like an accessory they just made. It's not their primary product and that <laughs> itself is so big. Uh, so uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, this transition that's happening at Amazon and because nobody can stay at the helm of a company forever right uh, so so uh, th- th- these things will happen like uh, google i think uh, larry page sarjay bin, they also completely stepped down from board and everything they just uh, stepped down very recently and uh, uh, you know sundar pichai is the ceo of not just of google but of entire alphabet today right. uh, so uh, as uh, those sort of transitions happen the, the 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 sort of mindset of the ceo how they think how they do things can also make a lot of changes. It can obviously lead to decline of the company is one thing. But then other than that, it can also make a company more focused on uh, say hardware rather than software or in terms of product rather than uh, data and privacy. So those kind of changes can also happen. Uh, uh, Those those things can come up, I think. Uh, But but more than that, I would say uh, that, uh, you know, there is uh, a lot of, uh, you know, but what people uh, are sort of starting to get aware, and then the media is also trying to publish things are uh, uh, sort of like, you know, the, if you look at the journey of uh, fast food, mm-hmm. McDonald's, right? I mean, the journey starts in 1950, right? Uh, when, when all the fast food started becoming chains and franchises, so KFC and, uh, you know, uh, McDonald's and, and uh, you know, uh, there's, by the way, there's a nice episode on Netflix called uh, History 101 on uh, Food, which actually sort of uh, uh, narrates the story really nice. And also there's that uh, movie, Ray Kroc movie, The Founder, which also mm-hmm. talks about the story yeah. pretty well. Now, uh, the thing is that uh, if you look at that industry, their journey, which sort of e journey, if you say starts from 2000, the fast food journey starts from 1950. So that's 50 years earlier, right? Uh, by the time they rolled into 1980s, which is 30 years into their existence, uh, the conversation moved from how fast fast food is growing to fast food causes obesity to people. So mm-hmm. those cycles take up time, but they happen. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, McDonald's uh, is like today, if you ask any parent you know, in, in, in any country, actually, like in Europe, in USA, in India, would they say fast food, like McDonald's is a great food to feed their kids, they would say no, mm-hmm. right? That message has sort of come across now. And and fast food as a business sort of has plateaued. They are not growing at 10x uh, speed every year anymore. Uh, They're plateaued. They are selling like it's a big business, it's a $500 billion business, fast food industries, there are a lot of stores, you know, everywhere right. you go and you see McDonald's and it's there. But it is not thought of as, you know, the best way to eat anymore right. Uh, yeah, today, true. right? I think e-com will have that you know, sort of cycle will come because these days people are talking about it already that because of this targeted advertising that happens, people are spending more money buying things that they don't need today than mm-hmm. they did 10 years back. Because you know things that you sort of desire, but you don't really need, if that keeps popping in your screen every five days, every 10 days, eventually you will end up buying it. So essentially they are sort of starting to take up a bigger share of your wallet now. Okay. Now when this macro scale data comes out and you know, like these long-term studies come out, which show that, okay, Amazon has made people save less money, uh, over the last decade, these kind of studies are starting to come out Washington post, York, you know, New York times, they're sort of publishing these. So when that starts happening, then, then the general awareness starts growing and it becomes like an obesity moment for e-com that, okay, it's convenient. We get the products, all that's mm-hmm. fine. But there are negative aspects to it. And it's like, you know, like, like at every women fancy, we should not rip out our mobile phone and start ordering uh, from e yeah. And that's happening. Uh, and then there were studies recently in India as well, which were about how something like Zomato and Swiggy, which uh, were very transformative in India because sort of food, they have expanded the food ordering market itself. Because if you look at USA, the food ordering market already existed. These companies came and they replaced dial and order to app and order kind of thing right. but in india a uh, lot of people first time ate outside food via zomato Swiggy. so they sort of expanded the market they, they brought the concept of ordering food outside to a lot of new households now studies are showing that you know because they started off with a lot of discounts and all so the average order value used to be 100 150 rupees today the average order value is 350 400 rupees right so, so the average order value is sort of gone from, you know, two, three dollars to seven, eight dollars. And then it's, it's pushing up and people are thinking that, OK, China has an average order value of $30. So we want to go to $30 today. Now, India, obviously, the economy of India is not expanding at a fast enough rate for people to spend $30 on average food orders outside. That, mm-hmm. That's not the speed at which the, I mean, it would be great if it did, but the economy is not expanding at that speed today, right? Uh, so then when these studies start becoming more mainstream, like the media reports on them, uh, then then you started realizing, okay, just like we think that McDonald's is not a great thing to eat every day, ordering from tomato is not a great thing to do every day. So, so that mm-hmm. will happen. It will take time to happen. It will not happen mm-hmm. tomorrow. It will not happen in the next one year because the, these industries are still in the growing stage. Right. But when they sort of get established, the negative as- aspects would also come mm-hmm. out. And I think over a period of 30, 40 years, they will see that cycle that happened with say fast food. e will also see that similar cycle happening.
1: I mean, I, I guess, uh, I guess it's already happening, especially as I said before, like with uh, brands like Amazon, I mean, which started as promoters of mom and pop shops from, you know, they lured them to put their stores online on Amazon Marketplace, for example, so that they can serve to a bigger audience. And now they are literally killing them Mm -hmm. by putting Amazon Basics, their own thing. And sort of there is a push of local, uh, like buy local, especially Mm -hmm. like here, uh, more developed countries. It's more where, you know, buying local from handmade stuff like small things. So it's not only true for e-com, but also for food and other things like local grown stuff due to environmental, there is also environmental effect into it, that if you are getting something from China, then there is a flight involved, then how much carbon is produced, right? So there are a lot of factors, I think, uh, in place. So just to complete
0: another aspect of what you said, like even if they were were designed or they somehow ended up being the uh, evil forces that... You kind of killed the brick-and-mortar store. Uh, they themselves are now exploring brick-and-mortar store in many cases, right? We I mean, have seen videos from Amazon itself where they have created brick-and-mortar store where you don't need a cashier. Okay. So they're still killing yeah, jobs Amazon for sure. Go. Yeah. yeah, Amazon Go. It's I think it's operational in some parts of US now. I there are
2: 15 so. stores in the USA today.
0: Yeah. So where people just go buy and I think they're using computer vision and all of these tech involved in order to just do your billing when you pick it off the shelf. So yeah, even like it's, it's. I think they just rotate around in circles with a different flavor and twist and spice all the time. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I
1: think it's also very interesting mm-hmm. to think. I think it also comes down to the market itself, mm-hmm. right? Like, for example, somewhere like Germany, where grocery shopping inheritedly mm-hmm. is done in an mm-hmm. offline store, including myself, who yeah. is very much accustomed to order things online. But for my grocery shopping, I prefer to go to supermarket. It's just how it is right and 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 so the culture of hyper like hyper local sort of grocery shopping is still relatively new here it's at a very it's not even one percent of the market there are it's very nascent yeah it's like gorillas for example is becoming really popular it's like a cool thing right now (laughs) like they are delivering with their (laughs) fancy e-scooters within 15 minutes and they're very fast and it's great but i think it's still in a nascent stage so sort of my next question leading to that coming towards uh, sort of the end of conversation, where do you see the future of e-commerce? Are you excited yeah. from technical point of view? It can be that. I know mm-hmm. you are a big fan of blockchain. So <laughs> maybe, is <that> where, <laughs> maybe is that where e-commerce is going or, or where do you think sort of the future of e-com is going like at least in yeah, coming what years? technologies
0: might be assisting that?
1: Uh, okay, okay. I I pray
2: e-com uh, does not embrace uh, blockchain. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> why do you say that? Okay. I
1: thought blockchain will save the world.
2: <laughs> uh, I mean, it would be uh, great if, say 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 uh, grocery prices were in uh, BTC. Then it will be like like your say say you're buying carrots for one dollar today, then ten dollars tomorrow, then again for point one dollars day after. <laughs> <laughs> Sort yeah. of fluctuation that happens, uh, but I think yeah, I mean uh, you, you know uh, sort of the, the 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 same argument that holds true for what big businesses are doing. I think cryptocurrency is <laughs> like like today when nobody's using it, it already is creating so much of uh, you know uh, carbon footprint and and the energy uses as well. I think it, it uh, the report last month that came out was that total bitcoin mining takes as much energy as the entire country of Sweden does. Uh, and then that's when Bitcoin is just a very niche thing. It's, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, the mass population is not even investing into it. It's very, very uh, still, uh, you know, sort of like, I don't think 30 plus generation is still even into it a lot. It's, it's mm-hmm. like the youngsters are getting into it and everything. And uh, <laughs> I think I, a bunch of pump and dump scams and all everything, all that is happening. I think today it's, it's more like uh, a lot of uh, new uh, at least in the financial domain, I think whenever something new comes out, the early players just want to get ahead and and, and sort of uh, make money on top of uh, the the new other more people coming in. So I think blockchain is sort of at that place right now. We don't even know what can be uh, good users of it. I I hear keep hearing people saying, okay, we will add this. A block smart contracts for farmers to sell products. I'm like, dude, like they don't need smart contracts, you know, they, they need, you know, probably water supply, electricity supply to be able to, you know, farm more efficiently, stuff like that. Uh, so, so those kind of solutions are more needed. But I think uh, talking in general about uh, the uh, future of uh, e com I think uh, not a lot of tech is sort of needed. And I don't see a lot of tech uh, coming in in major ways, like, you know, sort of. Uh, an application interface instead of a phone call. That's a major shift in user pattern. Maybe using uh, sort of artificial intelligence based recommendation uh, for what you can buy. That has also happened already. So I am not able to see something like that happening right now. What I more see is uh, you a know, lot of uh, technology going into small operational efficiencies today. Because today in the e commerce space, we are in the place where a lot of these bigger organizations they have cracked the distribution layer and it, they have reached the sort of saturation point of the market of all those who would be interested in trying out e-com are already doing it mm-hmm. so now the next phase is sort of started where you want to sort of squeeze every penny out of the supply chain mm-hmm. and there where i think there are now machine learning is getting used to sort of predict demand uh, so that you know you can align your raw material, supply accordingly, uh, right? Uh, Sort of also using data to analyze uh, what kind of new products can be uh, made, uh, right? Uh, which which something like companies like Zomato, Swiggy Delivery Hero, they actually provide these insights to restaurants for a price that, you know, these localities prefer these cuisines so you can set up a restaurant for that particular cuisine in this locality. So that's more about, you know, uh, not a revolutionary change but a evolutionary change
1: where but, but that uh, change you... does not impact the user right so the changes you are talking it does. about is... I mean it, it, mm-hmm. it does in, in in ways
2: like I think uh, say for example uh, a lot of uh, new technologically driven add-ons are getting added to the service like something like Amazon prime kind of stuff uh, right uh, so, so if you are in a more highly paid tier, then we can deliver you faster. Now that deliver you faster happens using better, you know, traveling salesman solutions and, you know, using better uh, mapping of the ground force, uh, the delivery workforce, right? Mm -hmm. So those are technological solutions. And when they say that you pay a little bit more for that, you know, uh, first they're able to achieve that operational excellency that today, instead of 30 minute delivery, I can do 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of charge. So now to go from 30 to 15, they probably have to spend $1 more per order, right? But they charge you $2 more for that. So, mm-hmm. so that, you know, creating that more premium layers, because as you look at even hardware or any software, you would see that, you know, say, say we're talking about uh, these days, any, any, any hardware product, like say a microphone or a graphics card or laptop, you'd see that, you know, say a $1,000 product, whatever it gets you in terms of performance when you go from the $1,000 product to $2,000 product, you don't get 2x more in performance, right? You get 10% more, 20% more. If you're on a $2,000 product to $3,000 product, you get maybe even less, 5% more performance. is a diminishing return kind of uh, level happens. So the companies, they create more and more premium layers, like whether it's you know buying a car, they're having different versions of it. And then so the premiums sort of, you know, eke out more profit from the customers. So these technology-driven operational efficiencies, they will do two things. You know, when we talk about, we should not only talk about consumers, we should also talk about the, you know, hundreds of thousands of people working in these industries. Right. Mm-hmm. So, today Amazon is in a very bad light about the condition of the warehouse workers. Right. right. So, that's all tech driven. I mean, their shifts are tech driven, the, the, the sort of, you know, uh, their automated uh, assembly uh, line stuff that's happening, you know, it's all Henry Ford story playing out all over again. People going mm. on strike, and he him saying that I will increase the salary by one dollar, and everybody coming back to work, and he increasing the assembly line speed. So, technology would squeeze out the earnings of these uh, warehouse workers, and they will enable these organizations to make more money from the consumers for increasingly less 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 uh, sort of premium offerings so mm-hmm. they will create a new pro tier or a plus tier or a you know premium tier where you get 5% 10% extra benefits but then you have to pay 2x more mm-hmm. so that stuff i think uh, you know today the fundamental problems seem to me is sort of solved how mm-hmm. do you source things how do you find out new products for consumers how do you sort of deliver it to them logistics that's all so now it's sort of at that stage where I think e-commerce is trying to squeeze out more money from consumers, and mm-hmm. uh, how to <laughs> allow, how to sort of you know uh, do away with more workers or existing workers, how to pay them less, uh, right? Uh, so I mean, I mean it just feels very uh, sort of evil to speak of it this way, but that's mm-hmm. the stage where the business is today, mm-hmm. and I think regulations should come in to prevent this to from happening so fast and uh, you know like i said eventually as the messaging goes across that right. there are the negative factors of e-com people mm-hmm. will sort of start to look for alternatives or you know people speak with their wallet as well so when right. people start to look for alternatives the behaviors of these yeah. companies change as well mm-hmm. like i mean subway is is sort of fast food branded on healthy food right, right. and, and yeah. those kind of things happen when people are like okay fast food is not healthy this, this and that and then you know uh, so much methane getting produced because of beef burgers so now a lot of these chains are trying out impossible meat which is vegan meat and then subways right. trying out salads so those changes happen
1: so i i think i know we are over time but i think it's a fascinating conversation so maybe just quickly add on that i mean on the one side i agree with you that we see that there is already sort of we have reached a stage where sort of the basic challenges in the world of e-com has been done, uh, right. be it logistics, be it even if you're a small business, you know how to create a simple account on Amazon or Flipkart or right. Zalando whatever you're using to sell things. And then, or then, of course, there is a technical aspect of it, like the scalability and things like that. Companies have also sort of figured out that, but then on the right. other hand, I've, I also see like there are segments of e-commerce, um, which to me still seems very nascent. So, for example, right. when I think about buying uh, clothes online, right, I think I still feel like the, the, the uh, people still don't like buying them online necessarily because you can't really check how will it look on you right? I mean, yeah, okay, there are some companies which are saying you can use AR or some other companies (laughs) which are promising you some other things. But I see, I personally, I still feel like I really need to know exactly what I want, else I cannot really try. And most of the time, the way we buy clothes is we go to a a store or a mall or whatever, we try a bunch of stuff, and then we buy one of that, right? But in that regard, I think e-commerce is that segment of e-commerce is pretty nascent. But do you see like growth in that dimension as well? Or do you think, yeah, it's like very hard problem to solve. So maybe that's why companies are maybe not putting enough attention to it.
0: Uh, I don't know.
2: I mean, as new generations come in, their perspective also changes. I mean, there was a generation which would not read books on a Kindle. They would say that, you know, the feel of turning pages on a paper is something we just want, right? And then... You know today the generation has changed the majority would not say that we want a hardcover book we would do with a kindle mm-hmm. uh, so trying out clothes with ar i mean today's generation might not be comfortable with that but then a newer generation comes in and then they adopt to it so mm. you know it, 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 it depends on that i mean thanks are... for making me feel old <laughs> <laughs> We are, we are, I mean, you know, uh, sort of, there are a lot Speak of... Speak for yourself, uh,
1: Arnav. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding.
2: There, there are a lot of digital products that are targeting, you know, 12, 13-year-old kids. So if you look at yeah, the way true. they are marketing the product, you will feel like, I can't connect to this, what yeah. are they trying to sell here? But then you yeah. feel like, okay, I mean, a that's a different generation. In,
0: in, a, in a way, be happy mm-hmm. enough that you're old enough to not try TikTok. So like, let's see, that's well, what uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i yeah. <I, I>, exactly. <laughs>
1: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, to be to be fair, like a uh, lot of people our age, uh, mm. I mean, okay, you don't use Instagram. So, okay, uh, you are a bit of an exception there. But our generation is using Instagram heavily and Instagram's uh, yeah. reels are TikTok, basically. So, yeah, we are also using that. It's just in a different flavor, more older <laughs> flavor. But anyways, please, please carry on. and <laughs> Yeah. No, no no so so that's what i was saying so i mean it,
2: it happens like generational changes take time to happen and yeah. i think uh, you know uh, trying out clothes in ar i don't know i can't relate to it just like usa i, mm-hmm. I don't think i will ever uh, do it that way uh, no no you know in fact grocery shopping i think at a supermarket the way i feel it i don't feel it on Amazon as well like i'm i feel pretty pissed off that i'm having to do it uh, due to the lockdown right now but mm-hmm. as soon as able to i would probably do it in a supermarket again mm-hmm. but then New generation comes in, behavior changes. We never know yeah. uh, how
1: that works out. So, okay, so the world will enough. adapt accordingly.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> so usually we end our conversation at a fun note. And with you, it's it's funny that I observe this progression of you becoming a programmer, open source contributor to entrepreneur slash teacher to becoming almost like an influencer now, like you are going into, <laughs> that, going into <laughs> that creator economy, right? So uh what's like what's the motive behind there are you just building an audience so that you can basically sell them whatever you want later on because i mean i don't know on instagram or twitter maybe you you have decent following but on linkedin you have like i don't know 20 30 000 followers or something what the what are you what are you selling (laughs) to these kids
2: (laughs) for now i'm just selling truth i just you know Uh Yeah, selling truth need selling these days. Uh, <laughs> it's just harder to sell that than lies. Actually, lies are so easier to sell. Uh, so uh, I'm just, you know, I make fun of other LinkedIn posts, which I find very lame. And, and you know, people these days writing motivational uh, uh, quotes from Brainy Code, just copying <laughs> them. And I just, I make fun of those. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, on a bigger scale, I feel that, Having distribution helps. Uh, whether or not you have something to sell today, you might have something to sell tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. Building distribution obviously helps, uh, right? Uh, and uh, you know, right now, what I'm trying to do is I don't have an agenda with that distribution, uh, so I'm just trying to see is uh, with my heart in the right place, how big of a distribution can
1: I build? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay.
0: So just going on the stage to check the mic, you might have to conduct a rally someday for an election, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, Arnav, Arnav is becoming Logan, Logan Paul of uh, young Indian tech kids. You know, <laughs> no, Hope no, I jo- don't have to box uh, anybody. <laughs> no, jo- joking aside, I think. Uh, uh well uh, maybe half joking you can use your distribution channel to share our podcast you know so that we can we <laughs> yeah, can sure. write I, I definitely do
2: that this, this was great talking to you guys and, and, and i really loved uh, the the sort of you know questions and the topics you wanted to discuss about uh, and uh, when the podcast comes out let me know i'll definitely uh, you know uh, share it with uh, all the people who follow me it's on air
0: this time it's recorded now <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> thank you so much for taking out time it was it was so nice of you to take out time for us and i genuinely thoroughly enjoyed the conversation yeah from a, from multiple angles and from someone who has been in e-commerce for so long uh yeah. as long as long as could be imagined in our age at least uh not putting the age <laughs> number
1: again here. but
0: yeah. uh yeah from my side I, I did learn a couple of new things and maybe a new term. so thank you once again mm-hmm. for taking out time on a weekend for us.
1: yeah, I just wanted to yeah, yeah. To, to add that that uh, honestly I mean we have been doing this thing for a while called podcast and we have interviewed
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, decent enough people and you know to me at the end of the day I just look at it that okay, how many times did I thought, what is the time? And in your case, it just flew. So I realized, oh shit, we are already much above <laughs> time. So I I always think it is a good sign that ah, okay, whatever we recorded, whatever that is, will only going to be useful. So thanks a lot. It was really fun talking yeah. to you. Same here, same here. It was uh, really lovely uh, talking to you, uh, people, and I hope to like you know
2: probably catch up for for more episodes but otherwise as well you know in general you know share stories about what you people are doing in Germany what's happening in India and definitely love to catch up more Uh, so thank you so much for having me